Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patent hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. So I myself love a duffel, and DB has a dawn till dark duffel that is amazing. It has small pockets on the top for all of your things you need to get to quickly, like your phone and your sunglasses. It has a separate pocket on the bottom, so you don't have to put your dirty shoes or your dirty clothes in with all, everything else you have. And it can either be a duffel or you can put it on as a backpack. So super versatile for anything that you're doing. We are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10. That's P-O-D-1-0. Or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on. Time to get going. Situated. I'm uncomfy. <laughs> Mom's face. Do I sound okay? Yes, and if you play you that microphone fine. one more time, we'll smack your face. I'm going to smack your booty. All right. So hard. <laughs> Let's get going. But Kyle will be jealous. Are you recording this? Yes. Oh, oh good. I think. Never mind. I won't say what I was going to say then. Whoa. Okay. Welcome back to, to the, the Dead, Dead to the, the World, World podcast. podcast. I'm Lexi. I'm Dawn. And I'm Tasha. <laughs> and I got distracted because Kyle was giving me a phone call. <laughs> Do you need to take it? Probably. How can I help you? <laughs> Real quick, I just calling Shills and brought to you by Shills. And uh, all right, cool. Okay, bye, you Kyle. Can, you can call them if you'd like to. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Where were we? Oh, <laughs> we had just introduced um, ourselves. So oh, yes. That's Lexi. That's Tasha. I'm Don. And that was Kyle. Yeah. And we were here to entertain you this week. I hope you enjoy it. We are here to talk to you well, once again. Welcome back, Dream Team. Welcome back, our little Dream Team cute little listeners. You're so cute. <laughs> Go. Dream Team. But that Go. seems like it should be Dream. Team Dream. Break wall, waterfall, boy, you think you got it all. You don't. I do. So boop with, with your attitude. attitude. That's our theme song. Oh, yep. goodness. That okay. should never be a theme song. You liked it. Yeah, you did. You used to sing so, it all the time. Remember how we talked a while back about the fact that we suck to, like, pay attention to, like, what's coming forward when our episodes are actually released? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. So on Friday, Friday was the 13th. And guess what Sunday was? Our 13th episode. Oh, Ooh. Spooky. Ooh. I just thought that that was an interesting parallel that I hadn't noticed before. I wouldn't have ever noticed. <laughs> and speaking of spooky ooky, did dad tell you guys what happened to him the other day in the garage? He told me. You told me. Well, you guys are supposed to just say no. Oh, no. no. He didn't. No, what is this what? crazy what thing happened? that happened? <laughs> anyway. So, should I tell the listeners? Sure. So, uh, Daddy Dell, we've mentioned that we just finished our garage. So he's hanging. Explain to people what finished the garage means. Okay. It was already sheetrock. Like, Isn't it already done I'm when like, you buy the confusing. house? It was sheetrock and mudded, but not like painted. So we remudded, painted, put that epoxy type flooring, and we're putting up some cabinets. Okay, great. Continue with your story. Okay. Now. So he hangs a ladder on the wall. Picture it like sideways, you know, long ways down the. Her horizontal so hamburger. The, so he uses his <laughs> hamburger. <laughs> he uses it to store some of what is, I don't that get the hamburger. So what? In, school, in school, they would tell you to fold your paper. Fold hot your paper. dog or hamburger. Hot dog or uh, hamburger. I've never heard that before. Like hot dog or hamburger. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Anyway, he uses the ladder to store car cleaner, that kind of thing. They so they hang there. With their spray bottles. Yeah, their spray bottles that hang. So he hangs them up. He hangs three bottles next to each other. He leaves the garage, goes out in the yard to do some work, comes back. One out of the three bottles is like swinging pretty significantly like in and out from the wall, like so towards the wall and back. Mm -hmm. And he's looking around and he's like, okay, there's a fan on, but the fan is blowing out it sideways. So if the fan was making it move, it would just kind of just 
go sideways. And it would have made the rest of the bottles move too. True. So he just stops it. He's like, that was kind of weird. He walks out of the garage to go do some more work outside, comes back in. The bottle is freaking swinging again. So he goes over, stops it, leaves again, comes back, it's swinging again. He stopped it, and that time it stopped. That is really weird. But I was like, dude, why didn't you record it? We could totally have sent that in to Paranormal Caught On Video. I don't think they would care about that one too much. Well, they do that one of that stupid swinging plant. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. But But that is interesting. If there is a ghost in this house, at least it's in the garage. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) It's in dad's space. Yeah. Oh, another thing that I was going to bring up. Remember, Winnie, remember. (laughs) Um, So my husband, Sebastian, he frequently does have sleep paralysis, unfortunately, for the poor little guy. And he was re-listening to our episodes the other day, and he listened to the sleep paralysis one again. And he said that was like, (laughs) while listening to it, he realized that every time he's had sleep paralysis, it was one of the things that we had brought up. So he said he's seen like a creepy witch and like a demon dog type thing. And he was like, hmm, am I just going through the cycle? He was like, what's it going to be next time? The horse? (laughs) The horse? (laughs) And I still don't get how a horse, like, literally, how does a horse sit on your chest? Nightmare. It would have its junk in your face <laughs> and your leg. Their Maybe legs that's would why it's be so like scary. hitting your wall because they're so long. <laughs> oh my. Pegasus, move. <laughs> Got a little junk. That was the computer. In oh. your face. Got a little junk in, in your, your face. Oh. Got a, a little, little boogie in, in your, your face. Butt. What are we doing? Tasha, do you have anything to share? Anything share going on? with the class? Um, I did a lot of thrift slash yard selling shopping this last weekend. That has nothing to do with the podcast. I know, but I got a lot of great stuff. <laughs> I got a lot of great yeah. things. That's all. Okay, cool. Moving on. I'm happy for you. Thanks. Because we're getting ready for a Halloween craft night. Oh, yeah. I love spooky season. Me too. I'm so excited for Yeah, Tasha and I actually did some examples this weekend. We're doing like spooky frames. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, if only all of the dream team lived in one place, we could do a giant craft night together. That'd be awesome. And when we say craft, don't be thinking just little twisty tie, Elmer's glue, (laughs) like kindergarten mess around. No, no, no. This is like A++ craft 101 Tasha style. We'll post pictures when we do it. Yes. Yep. It'll be for you all to see. All right. Well, let's get going on our topic today, which is, who wants to share? I don't know what we're calling it. So mom, why don't you tell them? All right. Today, our subject is about movies that have to do with a dream or sleep-related phenomena. And we're very excited, but just right up front... You know, spoiler alert, we are going to talk a lot about these movies. So if we get started and you're like, oh, I haven't seen that movie and I really don't want, you know, it to be ruined, then, you know, here's your fair warning. Okay. Who's going first? I'm going first. Mom's going first. My sources today. Wow, she went right into it. Mom doesn't even care to let us discuss the order. Order in my court. (laughs) (laughs) The order of what? I'm going first. You're going second. Tasha's going last. Because I'm the loser. <laughs> yeah. Remember? I was the loser this week. <laughs> the biggest loser. If you were the first last time, you're what the loser you this week. That, that you, you lost the most weight. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay, mom. Okay, sorry. Sources. My sources this week are wikipedia.com, liveabout.com, HuffingtonPost.com and PsychDegree.org. All right. So I did a search on Google, as most people do, for any subject that you want to search. And I was like, hmm, I know of some movies about dreams, but I want to do something different. And so I searched and I found this movie called Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. And I was like, what the hey? What is this show? I've never heard of this before. So it was a movie back from 2004. And it's commonly referred to as eternal sunshine. You don't have to say the whole thing every time. So I'm going to continue that. So just know when I say eternal sunshine, I mean eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Eternal spot in the place where the sun don't shine. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't know what that was. 
All right. <laughs> so even though I had never heard of this movie before. She's high. <laughs> on life. So even though I had never heard of this movie before, it's actually considered an American science fiction romantic comedy film drama that has become a classic over the last, like, I think it's been out. Is it 15 years? I've never heard of it. Four? How is it a classic? I will tell you. I just meant, like, I don't, I've never heard of that before. Me neither. But then it won, like, Academy Awards and all kinds of stuff. So wow. it's just, I must have been living in a hole in 2004. You were living in a <laughs> hole where the sun <laughs> shows it shine. We exactly. were living under a rock. I was living under a rock. Patrick. <laughs> All right. So it follows an estranged couple who, with the help of a doctor, undergo a procedure to erase each of them from their memories. The cast includes Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, and Tom Wilkinson. Um, question? Yes. Why was the couple wanting to erase each other? Memory? Because they, they broke didn't want up. to erase each oh, other. Okay. Well, they did. They, they take an eraser. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just wanted to erase the memories of each other out of their minds. So the title of the film comes from a quotation from a 1717 poem, Eloisa N. Berlard by Alexander Pope. The film uses elements of a psychological thriller, science fiction, and a nonlinear narrative to explore the nature of memory and romantic love. So opened on March 19th in 2004, receiving universal acclaim from critics and audiences, praising the plot, the screenplay, and Gondry's direction, which I have to say. So the director's last name is Gondry, but every time I kept reading it, I kept saying Gordy in my head. So I literally had to go through it and like space it out. So mm, I would say that's Gondry. That's better than what I thought. What, what did you think? Like gonorrhea? Yes. <laughs> oh, I thought of Gordo from Lizzie McGuire. Ah, Anyway, which one of us has the dirty mind? <laughs> that would be Tasha over there. <laughs> no, that's just because I work in the medical field. Oh, you we get calls get about it. gonorrhea You're a, a lot. Doctor, <laughs> do you do you diagnose people's gonorrhea? No. Gondry's direction. Oh my god, I can think is gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me start that over again. Anyway, so the performances from Carrie and Winslet were pretty awesome. It was a box office success, reaching $74 million. It won Academy Award for the Best Original Screenplay, and Winslet received a nomination for the Academy Award for Best Actress. Wait, Winslet, is that Titanic? Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yep. The film developed a cult following in the years after its release and has come to be regarded by many critics as one of the best films of the 21st century. Wow. I know. And I've never and seen I've never this. heard of it. I was going to say, I should probably watch this at some point. You really should watch it. That is going to be my recommendation. Or it is my recommendation. It's like one of, well, I'll, I'll get into it. I don't want to give anything away quite yet. But the question remains, would you erase a bad relationship from your memory if you had the chance? If all it took was one night spent hooked up to a computer to forever forget a lost love, would you go for it? Yes. Yes. Okay, good to know. Uh, The main writer of Eternal Sunshine was Charlie Kaufman. Uh, He studied film at NYU, and in 1991, he moved to Los Angeles, where he was hired to write for the TV sitcom Get a Life, which I don't remember that one. Get a life. He went on to write comedy sketches and a variety of TV show episodes. Between writing assignments, uh, he wrote an interactive screenplay, Being John Malkovich, in 1999, which created Hollywood interest. And Kaufman is known for scripts that usually feature reluctant protagonists who start out in the story as downtrodden and self-doubtful, frustrated with life and love or their professions, uh, stories with a bizarre plot that showcase a sense of fantasy in the real world, and films that often deal with themes of reality and identity. And he brought all of those elements to Eternal Sunshine. Eternal what? Eternal Sunshine. Okay. Sorry. I was out of breath. I know. <laughs> Kaufman's work explores such universal themes as identi- identity crises, mortality, and the meaning of life through metaphysical or parapsychological framework. While his work resists labels, it sometimes is described as surreal, which is exactly how e- e- Eternal Sunshine was written. You guys are so quiet. We're listening. Maybe it's because you've been... When you start using big words, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Okay. Too many big words for me on brain. 
So I'm brain dead. <laughs> another um, contributor to the writing was Pierre Bismuth. I guess that's how they Pierre. say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who also had a hand in writing Eternal Sunshine. Um, he's a French artist and filmmaker based in Brussels. He is an artist who practices conceptual art and appropriation art. And I had to look that up because I didn't know what appropriation art was. I was just going to say, what is that? So appropriation art is where you take something that's already very well known. I looked up examples, and one of the most popular examples is an artist who uses like a Campbell's soup can, and then he just makes the Campbell's soup can look different in his art. But it's exactly got all the elements of the Campbell's soup can. It's like Andrew Warhol? Yes, it is. Wow, Lexi. Yeah, Lexi does like art. She did take lots of art classes. I am art. Anyway, so his work uses a variety of medias and materials, including painting, sculpture, collage, video, architecture, performance, music, and film. Well, and I think that you'll start to see as I talk a little bit more about this movie, like the artistic background of these writers and directors comes into play big time. Uh, The director, Michael Gondry... Grew up in Versailles, France, with his family, who was very influenced by pop music. So when he was young, he went. Uh, he wanted to be a painter or an inventor. And in the 80s, he entered an art school in Paris where, where he could develop his graphic skills. But there he met some friends, and they created a band called Wee oui, Wee. Oui. Wee oui, Wee. Oui, oui. Gondry was the drummer of the band, and he... What? Oh, Gondry. <laughs> That's the thing. Totoria. Totoria. Oh. I just can't. I can't. Okay. I don't Ooh. think he would appreciate that I know. Very I'm much. so sorry. Can I go on? <laughs> yes. Do you think you can stop laughing? I think no. so. Okay. Gondry. <laughs> don't say it again. It's like a okay. kindergarten class. Like, hey, do you think you could be adults and we could be mature about this? And then someone and then goes, the bum. Like, yeah, bum. <laughs> poop. And then they all bust up laughing. So he was the drummer and he directed some of their video clips. Uh, one of his videos was shown on MTV, and when Bo- Bjork, I think is how you say it, she's an I- Icelandic singer, uh, when she saw it, she asked him to come and do the video for her first solo, Human Behavior. And the partnership became famous. Gondry directed five other videos for her, and the benefits were huge, and the budgets were also huge, which he loved. Um, Same. I love a huge budget. Or I should say he... He benefited by the huge budgets. Oh, I see. Yeah. He also made a lot of commercials, including Gap, Smirnoff, Air France, Nike, Coca-Cola, Adidas, Polaroid, and Levi, the latter making him the most highly awarded director of one-off commercials. That's cool. So he had this really kind of crazy history going from wanting to be, you know, a painter or an inventor to being like the super awesome director of these short films and videos. And commercials. And commercials, yeah. Hollywood became interested in Gondry's success, which led him to direct Eternal Sunshine. Now, while the script for Eternal Sunshine was still in draft form, copies began to circulate around Hollywood. One of the actors immediately expressed interest in the film, and that was Jim Carrey. And fortunately, Gondry felt as much pleasure over Carrey's desire to be part of the movie as Carrey did about taking the role. So I found an interview with Jim Carrey, And these were just a couple things he had to say about the plot of the Eternal Sunshine movie. So when he was asked if he thought that erasing somebody from your memory was appealing, he said, of course. In the moment, especially when you're going through something, you think, I don't need this. I don't need to live in this fight or flight response. Why can't I just let it go? But in retrospect, it always seems to work out that you can look back on something that was a disaster and find some gems in there. Which I would have to also agree. Yeah, I I mean, yeah. Well... Now, looking back on old relationships, I wouldn't care to have them erased because it doesn't really affect me anymore. But like at the time that it happened, yes, I would have really like, liked for them to be erased. I know. And um, when asked what he feels would uh, that he would lose by erasing memories, he said, I think that you would make some of the same mistakes over and over again. And he's like, well, not that we don't anyway. <laughs> but True. I was thinking, though, I was like, what if they end up finding each other anyway? Oh, is that part of the movie? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Call me Director Gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So he's saying, yeah, you know, we tend to make the same mistakes over and over again anyway, but you might be less likely if you remembered about your experience. Carrie says, I think there are beautiful moments. 
Uh, these days, everybody expects a fairy tale that if you're going to be, that you are going to be together forever with somebody. And I don't really subscribe to that. He said, I'd love for it to happen, but 10 years is enough. 10 years is a good thing with somebody. I think it's nice. It's a nice thing and a lot of good can happen in 10 years. And then when asked about the chemistry between Kate Winslet and his character Joel in the movie, he said, I get excited when people I work with scare me. She is just scary talented and just an amazing actress or actor, whatever you call them these days. I get excited when I'm surrounded by people who make me better and make me stay on my game and challenge me. She's wonderful to watch, unbelievable, because you sometimes don't know what she's doing when you're in the scene with her. You look at it later and she knows what's going to come out of it and how it will look. And it's just beautiful. So oh, that, how that's nice. A nice compliment. I know. I thought that was a really good one. Is she on the holiday too? She is. Okay. Which is one of my favorite movies. Just making sure she's a good actor in general. She is. Yeah, she she is a great actress. actress. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I really like her as an actress, and like Jim Carrey is popular. Like, why had I never heard of this movie? It's just crazy. So, um, I found some interviews with Kate Winslet, and these interviews were taken ten years after the movie was filmed, and really they're kind of asking her like how she thought about being part of the movie. Let's see. This is in her words. I have incredible memories of Eternal Sunshine. That's what took me to New York. New York. New York. That's what took me to New York in the first place. I went to New York to shoot that movie and didn't leave for nine years. Whoa. It, it occupied the beginning of a really big chapter of my life, and I'll always remember it fondly. Fondly. Yep. And she also says, I think because I'm British, there's the sort of very strange uh, metaphorical red carpet that's rolled out for us, Winslet said. People kind of think that we speak a foreign language and that we're much more intelligent than the rest of the human race, that we fall asleep to volumes of Shakespeare in our beds. That isn't me at all. I think Eternal Sunshine smashed through any preconceived notions that people may have had about who I actually am. And to receive the Academy Award nomination for Eternal Sunshine was just fantastic because none of us really thought that that was going to happen. We were doing... Michael Gondry's completely crazy movie with Charlie Kaufman. We had no idea what was what it was going to be like, and I always had faith that it would be something very special, but I didn't know. That's cool. And I read, I didn't put all of this in, but she talks a lot about the fact that she feels like the fact that she did this character made it possible to do other characters mm. that she doesn't think she would have been you know, looked at for because before she had done, you know, the Titanic where she was, you know, this young girl that was in love, you know, just kind of that kind of thing. Draw me like one of your French girls. Yeah. So I think that she was just taken more serious that she could do more serious or kind of crazy roles. That's cool. too. Yeah. We love that for her. We love that for her. Yep. We do. And a couple of interesting facts about Eternal Sunshine. It only grossed 34 million in North America. Only. So, well, yeah, but out of that 74 million, that I think maybe that's why we hadn't heard about it as much because it mm. wasn't as big in the U.S. It, was, it was big, um, I'm guessing, Europe. Director Condry says that having artistic freedom is more important as a director than having a large budget. And that's kind of what he said about that movie. Mm. Like, that reminds me of like Star Wars, mm-hmm. like George Lucas. He had like a very, very small budget, but he could do anything he wanted. Yep. And boom, Star Wars was huge. Yep. I think that I think that's probably true. It's like if they're able to be truly artistic, it comes across better than having to stick or having this huge budget and but, but somebody telling them like it needs exactly to be exactly what they have to do. Yeah. Yep. And then Kate Winslet was actually pregnant with her son while shooting the film. Oh, interesting. So she must have not been very far along because they kind of show her hoo ha in underwear, but you can't tell at all that she's pregnant. Or maybe it's not really her hoo-ha. <gasps> you know, films. They only show the hoo-ha? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, yeah, I think when they did, it was... Was it like a stomach shot kind of thing? Yeah, like looking down. Gotcha. So so maybe it was Ooh. like a... What do they call It could have been a stand-in. What do they call them, though? A, a double. Stage yeah. double. Stage double. Yeah, not a stunt a double. Stunt double. <laughs> she wasn't stunt, doing anything yeah. crazy when she was showing her hoo-ha. And then but there were. stunt double is the word I was thinking. Yeah. So anyway... um. So when I found the movie on the list of movies about dreams, I was confused, like I mentioned already, that I had not heard of the film before, especially with the A-list cast of actors and actresses in it. Immediately, I rented it on Amazon and watched it with Daddy Dale. And 
It was not my normal type of movie, which is probably why in 2004, if I had just seen the trailer, I probably would have been like, eh, not really my kind of movie, not interested. But watching the movie and everything I've read about it, the film has gained major notoriety, has become a classic, and I have to admit it was great. It was very strange, but it was a really great movie. I came over at like the end of it. So I saw like parts of it when you guys were watching it and I was like, what the crap is happening? Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, spoiler alert now, I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about the movie. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to hear this, um, you know, go skip forward. Skip forward. Don't listen. I don't know. Most of the film happens while Jim Carrey's character, Joel, goes under the process of having his memories of Kate Winslet's character, Clementine, deleted. Uh, The way that it's done is that they use trigger items to map out the memories in the brain, and then they use that information to delete or to induce those dreams while he's sleeping, and then they erase them as he goes through them. However, during the process, Joel becomes lucid and realizes what's happening and decides that he doesn't really want all these great memories of Clementine to be erased, Um, even if they're painful. He doesn't want to get rid of them. So after the realization, he explains to his dream version of Clementine what's going on, and they decide to go into the deepest, oldest of Joel's memories in an effort to not experience the trigger memories and try to hide themselves from the program that's trying to erase them. So Gondry does an excellent job of recreating the chaotic nature of dreams, like blending one dream into another, hopping from place to place with elements of one location making their way into the other. Like, for instance, they're like in bed one minute and the next thing they're on the beach, but the bed's on the beach. I'm not surprised that this film had the influence of medium artists, as the scenes are very much non-traditional. And I think they would need, they really needed that artistic, you know, background in order to make this work. Um, I also found an article about bringing some of the science from this into real life. So inspired by Eternal Sunshine, a group in Italy is currently conducting research and experiments on whether or not the, the smell or the sense of smell can modify painful memories. This group is using what's called adversive technology, in this case, which is nauseating odors, uh, to see if they can reduce patients' urge to smoke. Though we'll have to wait and see whether the science can ultimately modify one's memory using this adversive technology. So far, the results are just as interesting as Hollywood promised. So I thought that was kind of crazy in my research that people are actually taking ideas from the movie and going, uh uh-huh. So they're saying so far it's working, though? Yeah, so far it seems like it's working. So they'll have to see if it really really makes a difference, you know, or if it's short-term results. Hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, is it like if they feel like smoking, they make them smell something disgusting? I'm not sure how they're doing it. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that so would distract you. So I think eventually, <laughs> at least a minute. <laughs> but I get that. It's adversive technology. So if, you, if your urge to smoke is also tied to a nasty sense of smelling something, then you, it becomes adversive. You don't want to deal with it. So you wouldn't want to think about it it's anymore. It's like conditioning. Yeah. Yep. I think Classic. so. Yeah. So science. Overall. Science rules. I'm very glad we decided to do this topic. Otherwise, I never would have found this film. And after 17 years, it seems to have made its way to be a classic. And it was one of those movies that once you start it, you absolutely have to finish it. Or you would just be forever wondering what in the crap was going on and how it was going to end. And as I mentioned, it's not my typical style of movie, but I loved how adventurous it was. And I highly recommend that if you haven't seen it, it would be a fun one. All right. And where can you watch this? Yeah, mom. I rented it on Amazon. Rented it on Amazon. That she did. (laughs) (laughs) wow that was exciting that that she did she did did. we'll have to watch it all right lexi i think it's your turn okay well my movie is insidious (laughs) geez surprising since you've mentioned it like i don't know 10 times in the hey hey every time 14 episodes we've done now every time we've talked about astral projection i'm like isn't that what insidious is about (laughs) Well, and answer so, your question, Lexi. Yeah, answer I decided question. to take it full circle. And yes, it is about astral projection. I had never seen it. It came out in like 2010. So it took me 11 years. 11 years. I was going to say 21 years. <laughs> 21 years. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So, Leigh Wannell. What? Warnell. Are you speaking <laughs> English? I tried to say his name. Oh, I thought you were just mumbling. <laughs> I was like, Rah. she's possessed. I'm possessed. Ooh. 
Now she's, uh... You're, of, you're scaring me. No, what... You sounded like one of those zombies on, uh... What's that? It's, the Walking Dead? No, what's that show? The, the World Z? War Z? We have World War Z. Oh, when they're yeah. like... Yes. Okay. Lay Wannell, I think is how you say his name. Okay. Is the director. He Well, not the director. He wrote the story of Insidious. So the writer. Okay, the writer. The writer. And his friend, James Wan, is the director. Okay. Okay. So they're like a little team. Ooh. So they've also partnered up on other movies, including Saw and Dead Silence. So the Saw series that they did was like the really got really, really popular. And we'll get into that later. Okay. Sometimes I jump ahead, <laughs> start telling you things I don't mean to tell you for at least another 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, anyway. So if you haven't seen Insidious, uh, none of my story is going to make sense. So again, spoiler alert, I am going to literally tell you everything that happens in this movie. <laughs> It came out in 2010, like I stated before. Oh, wait, so. I did want to say one thing about mine. I did leave some things out enough so that you could still be interested in watching the movie. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm surprised it was my first time watching it. And you can't be upset about me telling you because you've also had 11 years to watch it and you haven't done it. So, <laughs> hmm. Or more if you're older. <laughs> It only came out 11 years ago. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how old you are. It's only been out for 11 years. But good try, Tosh. Oh. It kind of made sense to me, but it didn't make sense. Just move on. I lo- <laughs> what? I was going to say, I love you, but she's like, I just move on. So. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little summary of the movie so that you understand. What? I'm just sad now. Why? Because I'm dumb. <laughs> You're not dumb. Not even a little bit. Well, I'm possessed, so... Dumb and possessed over here. What are you, mom? (laughs) Crazy. Dumb, possessed, and crazy. (laughs) Dead to the world podcast. Do you want to be on the dream team? Do you want to be dumb, possessed, and crazy? Join our team. Do you want to get back into your story? I think that's really what they want. Okay, okay. I'm going to give a summary of the movie. So, one, two, three. Are you ready? Yes, they're more than ready. <laughs> I'm building the suspense. <laughs> yes, you are. Okay, a teacher, Josh Lambert, and his wife Renee move in with their three children. They are they, they move in with their three children. The three <laughs> children live somewhere else, and they're finally going to move yeah, in with them. Their relationship is finally serious enough that they're going to move in together. The kids gave them a key. I'm sorry. <laughs> the kids gave them a key. Can they I have, just give the summary? access to the home. Yes, give the summary. I will shut up. <sighs> okay, we're going to rewind that. <laughs> that was actually good. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> so there are two boys, Dalton and Foster, and then a baby girl, Callie. And they move into a big, brand new house. So no one's ever lived there before. That's an important part of the movie. I didn't realize that when we watched it. In the movie, it does not look like a brand new movie. By the way, she had me watch it with her because it's scary. Well, in the research, they literally say they didn't want the haunting to be able to be blamed on the house. The house. So it is a new build house. That's so weird because it looks, it's just an older style house. Gosh, Wait, mom. what is this? Stop Insidious? interrupting. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Where have you been? Well, I was just making sure because I've seen that before. Oh. And then I was like, wait, did she see Insidious or was it something else? Okay, I've yes. seen... okay, continue. Okay, so I just exposed that, but later they talk about how they didn't want it to be an old house where they could blame the scary happenings on it being an old house. Okay, moving on. So Dalton, the oldest son, is exploring the house and in the attic, he falls from a ladder and he hits his head on the floor. The next morning, he doesn't wake up and he stays in a coma, but doctors are unable to diagnose his problem. So three months later, weird things start to happen in the house. (laughs) I don't think they start to happen. They were already happening. No, it says, it just shows the coma and then it says three months later. And then that's when all the weird stuff happens. Oh. Mom, were you paying attention to this movie? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have watched the movie. Let me talk. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Three months later. Weird things start to happen. And Renee sees apparitions, and she is sure that the house is haunted and tries to convince her husband to move to another house. He doesn't really believe her, but he's kind of sick of everything going on. So he's like, okay, let's move. So they move into another not-lived-in-very-long house. And she sees a ghost in the new house, but her husband is still very skeptical. Um, Her husband's mom, so her mother-in-law, Lorraine, tells him that she also had a vision of something in Dalton's room which is the kid in the coma. Is this confusing? No. no, It makes sense. 
So they invite a medium, Lorraine's old friend Elise Rayner, who brings her team of ghost hunters, Specs and Tucker, to investigate the supernatural phenomenon. I love those names, Specs and Tucker. We should get Tucker a little wiener dog friend and name it Specs. <laughs> that would be so cute. Okay. We'll get on. through the summary at some point. <laughs> So Elise explains that Dalton is a traveler with the ability of leaving his physical body and traveling in astral projection. His spiritual body was lost in a place called the, fur- the further. That, oh, that's how you say it. Yeah. I thought I was going to. Sl- his spiritual body was lost in a place called the further that is not for the living and in entities are gathered trying to get inside his empty physical body. And among these entities, there is a demon that needs Dalton's body to cause pain to others. So Lorraine discloses that Josh is also a gifted traveler and he must seek out Dalton in the further and bring him back. So his dad has to astral project to go find him and bring him back to his body so that the creepy demon doesn't get inside his body and hurt others. Is everyone caught up? Yes. And this is making so much more sense because I watched this in high school Mm. and I'm thinking back to it and thinking this makes so much more sense now knowing what astral Projection, projection is. is. Oh, yeah, because you didn't know about astral projection no. when they did the sh- when, when you watched, watched it. it so gotcha. This makes so much more sense. See, it's a good thing we did an astral projection episode. Yep. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. Yeah, it's really good. We're really good podcasters. If you would like to take a listen, that's episode 10, astral projection equals mind blown. Episode one, zero. And then I'm not really going to talk about the second movie, but after we watched the first one, mom and I also watched the second one, and it was terrifying. My suggestion would be watch them together. Yeah. Because it's really just like one big long movie that should have all been together. Mm-hmm. But it was very scary. And I also found some fun facts before we get into all the all the nitty gritty of it. So, despite the often graphic nature of horror films, directors usually do their best to keep kids from, you know, the child actors, from becoming scared of the contents of the movie. So, James Wan, who is the director of Insidious, he took an interesting approach with 10-year-old Ty Simpkins, who plays Dalton, the boy that Astro projects. And he had him watch the demon makeup as it was applied so that he wouldn't be scared, so that he would know it was fake. That's good for me to know. I always worry about that just being a mom. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure I would want my kid to be exposed to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm also sure the filming is, like, way different than, you know, the final product, but... Well, because you probably don't have all the, you know how they say if you watch something and plug your ears, it's not as scary. Mm-hmm. So they probably don't have all the music going right in the moment. And so it's probably not as creepy. But then if they watch it later. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I wonder if they watch them later. Do you think? Probably not. Maybe when they're older. Or maybe they do. I don't know. All parents are different with their kids. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, another fun fact is that Specs, who's like one of the Ghostbuster type characters in the movie, is played by the writer, Leigh Wannell. He does a good job, too. It's pretty funny. And in the second one, he was in it a lot. He was, like, a pretty much a main character, kind mm-hmm. of. So that's kind of cool. But anyway, I found on www.denofgeek.com, I found an interview with the writer. So when he was asked about how Insidious came to be, he said, When I first wrote Insidious, James, the director, and I were both in a very particular place. We were stuck in a rut. We'd just come out with Saw and everybody was congratulating us. It was this big success. I mean, I had welts on my back from people patting me on it. When I when the whole Saw thing died down, I feel like I had praise withdrawals. I had never been congratulated so much on something in my life. So it was really amazing. It was a really amazing whirlwind when Saw came out. Then we did Dead Silence and got our asses kicked on that film. And it didn't <laughs> turn out to be the film that we wanted it to be. Then we spent a few years just in a rut. James went off and did Death Sentence, and I was writing scripts that weren't getting made. I think all the stories you read about Hollywood and development hell, we kind of experienced it firsthand. By the time 2010 rolled around, we had to make a film. We hadn't made a film in a few years, and we were really desperate to do something. We basically decided to go back and do Saw all over again. We wanted to go back to our roots and make an indie film just like Saw, but we didn't want to go back and just remake that movie. So we decided to do a supernatural horror, and that's where Insidious came from. That's awesome. I mean, it's awesome to just show that even when you're in a rut, just keep working and you'll get there. Mm -hmm. And then he said that supernatural films allow you to bend the rules of time and space. And he said that's really fun, especially for screenwriters who often get shot down for logic reasons. So when you're writing a supernatural film, you can always just be like, hey, it's supernatural. Like it doesn't have, the timeline doesn't have to make sense and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of freedom. Mm Mm-hmm. 
A lot of creative freedom. Freedom. And I mean, they didn't have a very big freedom. budget with the first movie of Insidious. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can kind of tell, you, you know. You can. But it got really, really big. And then they had a really big budget for the second one. And, it, and you can tell. <laughs> the second one was actually freaking amazing. I'm not a big scary movie watcher, but I was terrified. And then at the end was like, oh, that was really good. Yeah. Maybe I need to watch. I haven't watched the second one, but I've watched the first one. I mean, you would need to rewatch the first one at this point. I think at understand. this point, we should just go ahead and watch three after this recording. Oh, I heard that three is actually really good. Okay. Like I was talking about it at work and all the girls were like, oh, just keep Keep going, basically. Okay, so let's get done so we can go watch number three. No, I three. can't watch it right now. Well, you can go home. Tosh doesn't love us enough to hang out with us. So now, getting into the whole astral projection part of the movie. So Lay said that James and I had been talking about doing an astral projection horror film for years, even before we made Saw. That was actually one of the ideas we wanted to do, but we ended up doing Saw instead. But I remember we used to talk a lot about how astral projection hadn't really been utilized in a horror film yet, and it's a subject so ripe for horror films, the idea of a spirit leaving your body. And we did a bit of reading and research into it, and we found that there is this other plane that astral travelers can actually visit that sort of lives on top of our world, and it's something that we can't see. Then, when it came time to write Insidious, I interviewed a few psychics, and they really echoed a lot of the stuff featured in the film. One guy I was talking to, he's a psychic and a medium in L.A. He was telling me about the personal experiences he had. He was telling me about the personal experiences he had astral projecting into this other plane and what it looked like. So that was really... That... (laughs) (laughs) I'm usually such a good reader. Breathe deep. continue so that was really cool to have someone echo my own ideas back to me after the fact i'd already written the film and then i talked to him and he really reiterated these ideas you can do a bit of reading online even if you just go to a wikipedia page there's an astral plane and there's this thing called the akish ashik records i think it's akashic oh akashic records I think it's called the Akashic Records. He said that, not me, but I, I agree, I think. <laughs> but apparently it's a book of having everything that's happened in the world and everything that's going to happen. Astral projectors believe that if you travel far enough, you can read this book. Oh, that would be crazy. I don't know if I believe that, but... I don't. It's like the book of secrets. It's like a, a level. Once you've astral projected to level 10, they're like, here is this book. <laughs> so you can know everything that's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe it's like the astral projection, like president, like the president's book of secrets. Oh, it's the like astral the projection book, book of, of secrets. secrets. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. But I do think it's cool because it is a very good idea to use for a horror film. It really like is. Your spirit leaves your body, and then something else is like, hmm, maybe, maybe I can use that. empty little body laying there, and the demon is like, oh, he makes a creaky like sound. Like, yep, that was me making the demon. You know what the book of what did we call it the astral projection book Book of secrets Secrets. you know what it reminds me of Hmm. you know how you can like at some uh souvenir shops you can find the all the stuff about women men need to know yeah and then you open it up and it's just blank i feel like that's what that would be (laughs) if i ever found it all the things about women that men need to know and it's blank yeah Yeah. so it's just like a joke there is no book to tell men how to how to read women do people actually buy that Uh uh-huh they're in all kinds of stores, so I believe that they must be getting purchased or nobody would be making them. That's the biggest waste of trees I've ever heard of. <laughs> I mean, I guess he could write in his own things as he learns them, but even that would be a mistake because it would be good one day, but then wrong the next. Because women have the prerogative to change their minds. Ooh, okay. I feel like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, girls. <laughs> a little Shania Twain for you. I'm going out. Okay, so continue with your thing. Are you done? I'm basically done. Oh, okay. That was my... I mean, I really only went into what it had to do with astral projection because yeah, I no. thought that's all I was supposed to go into. Oh. No, you did good. But I was going to mention, and I didn't, that this film features <laughs> well-known actors and actresses like Patrick Wilson. Whom I love. Rose Byron. Brain. Bry. I shouldn't try to say people's names. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, forget that part. Ty Skimskins. Lynn Shay. Laywana. Patrick Wilson. That's what I can pronounce. <laughs> yeah. What's your film rated? PG. You know, I didn't what even was yours? look that up. PG 13, sorry. Oh, PG 13. 
Yeah. And okay. there are four, I think. Four Insidious mm-hmm. movies. There are four Insidious movies. Insidious. Insidious Chapter 2. Insidious Chapter 3. And Insidious The Last Key. It has grossed a total of $539 million worldwide. Wow. And the combined budget for all four movies is $26.5 million. Oh my goodness. Mine's rated R. <gasps> Sorry, not PG-13. As normally, I would choose. As normally, she would choose. I mean, I guess it does have a little nudity and some... Uh, yeah, you said it has a crotch shot. And some, like, pot smoking and other stuff going on in it. It says... There's frequent profanity throughout the film. The F word, among others, is used quite a bit. Characters are often shown drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes and marijuana. In Moms? Yeah. yeah. I said, why is it rated R? And it says sex and nudity. So if you wanted to know, since we consider ourselves a PG-13 podcast, this is not a PG-13 movie. You, <laughs> might, you might see a little titty. <laughs> you might see a little booty. <laughs> and you will most definitely hear a little effy. But not an insidious. But insidious, you will only see creepy demons. Yes. <laughs> so which one's really better? <laughs> yeah, I'm which one's sure. really okay? Mine won't give you nightmares. Or, or will, will it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, is it my turn? It is your turn, because you're the only other person here in this room. Or am I? <gasps> oh, ast- somebody might be astral projection. A demon. I'm going <laughs> you out guys are tonight. <laughs> Feeling all right. Lexus. Gonna let it all hang out. Like the girl on Eternal Sunshine. Okay. Gonna let it all hang out. Like the girl on Eternal Sunshine. Okay. Climbing time. Getting on to my story now. Oh, sorry. Did you want to speak? Yes. (laughs) Raise your hand if you even know what movie I did. (laughs) You told me, but I already don't remember. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I wasn't told. Okay, ready? It's just earlier today. I know. I looked something up for you. Okay, ready? The movie. That I, Tasha. Nemo. No. What? You said to guess. Oh. No. Okay. The movie that I did was Before I Go to Sleep. I don't think I've seen that one. I don't know what that is. (gasps) It's called Before... Don't Google it. I just got yelled at. It's called Before I Go to Sleep. It is rated R. (gasps) Which, again, I normally wouldn't have picked a rated R movie, but... It's so good. I'm guessing, or you wouldn't have picked it. We'll get to that. Did okay. you watch it? Yes. We decided <laughs> I have not. A feeling you done it. <laughs> I did. We decided not to do a repeat of episode one where we talked about Stephen King and all his awesome movies that we have absolutely never watched or b- books that we have never yeah, read. Yes, so we actually watched all these movies. We did. So it was the filming was done in London. The main characters are Nicole Kidman. She's the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her like co-star male character is Colin Frith. Firth. Firth. How do you say it? Colin Firth. <laughs> Colin Firth. <laughs> I don't know how to say his last At name. At least that's how I think it said Firth. Okay. Now Lex, if you want to <laughs> now if you want to go- Google you can. No information. You I can just, just want to know what it looks like. Yeah, you can Google, Google before I go to sleep. Why is it rated R Tosh if the people want to know? Um because you see a booty and it says the F word three times. Okay. Wow. Did you count them? No, I just noticed. Phones. I just noticed it three times. Okay. Oh, and there's like some, um, what's the word? Sexual like, content? Not necessarily. Not really. No, there's like just more like some beating, like bloody. Oh, like so violence. Violence. Thank you. I'm like, what is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> some beating. Some beating. When you get smacked in the head, what's that considered? Hmm. A beating. Violence. <laughs> for some reason, when you said beating, I thought of like, you know, a beater that you blend like cookie dough with. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> That's you the were kind she some wants. cookies. <laughs> okay. So it was written and directed by Rowan. I think it's Joff. It's J-O-F-F-E. Goff. 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 G-O-F-F-E? J, like in... Oh. Like a jumping jack. Oh, so maybe it is Joff. I don't know. But anyways, it's J-O-F-F-E. And the movie was based on a 2011 novel called Before I Go to Sleep by S.J. Watson. Watson. Yeah, Watson. So the director is a British screenwriter. And his first two screenwriting projects, which are called The Last Resort and Gas Attack, both won... Gas attack. Gas attack. <laughs> Tucker does that to me every day. 
They both won the Best New British Feature Award and then at the end of an international film festival. Oh, that's So nice. his very two first ever films went into a film festival and won the awards. featured awards. Thriving. So, yeah. And I think they're like, when I was going through all of his like movies that he's done, they're all like British movies, so I didn't know any of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. Never seen any of them except for the this one. That's okay. So basically I'm just going to go into the summary. I'm basically telling you the story of the plot line. So spoiler alert if you want to watch it and not know any previous information, then stop listening now. Yeah, stop listening. Stop listening now. But really don't. Yeah. <laughs> so Nicole Kidman is Christine Lucas, the main character. She's a 40-year-old woman who wakes up in bed with a man that she does not know. <gasps> I know this movie. Oh, my gosh. I love this movie. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just, I just barely figured out what it is. So you have seen this. I have seen I mean, it. She lives so with a guy good. she doesn't know, you said? Well, if you're listening. Well, just listen, yeah. So Christine, the main character, again, 40-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. She wakes up in a bed with a man that she does not know. I know. So I asked she in lives an, with a guy she doesn't know. In She's an unfamiliar house. Okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> the man explains that he is her husband, Ben, and that she suffered a brain damage from a former accident years prior, and when Christine wakes up every morning, morning she has no memory of her life. It's like 51st date. Yeah, it, it kind of <laughs> is. But not the comedy no. of 51st date. So Christine receives treatment from a man named Dr. Nash. He's a neuropsychologist. Does she write in a journal? Oh, and then remembers? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then she's like, my husband sucks, and then she leaves? Mm-hmm. Okay, kind so of. I think I've seen this too. So she meets with this local doctor from a hospital and he gives her a camera to record her thoughts and progress each day. And then she calls, or he, excuse me, calls, he calls her. Wow, why can't I just speak English? So this doctor calls her every morning to remind her that she has a camera placed in her, like, closet at the bottom in a shoebox so that she can find it every morning because when she wakes up she doesn't remember that she has this camera and he steals it you read the book also yeah you read the book also. i think maybe you told me about it maybe because in the book it's a journal it's a journal i think you just told me about so dr nash tells christine the main character to keep the camera hidden from ben her husband he says that christine or the doctor tells christine that her memory loss actually occurred from an attack where she was left for dead near an airport hotel and that Ben just tells Christine it was an accident to avoid, like, upsetting her. Okay. Over the but course, it was him. Maybe. We'll find out. Over the course of treatment, Christina faintly remembers a red-haired woman named Claire. Her husband, Ben, tells her that it was a friend that couldn't handle the condition um, of Christine's memory loss. And so she kind of, like, moves away and ends the contact. Later, Christine recalls that they have a son. She confronts her husband, Ben about it and about hiding the child or the memory of that child from her. He says that their son died from meningitis when he was eight years old. Christine remembers also a man named Mike and believes that that may have been her attacker. When she relates this to the doctor, Dr. Nash, he hugs and tries to comfort her and almost kisses her. When she pulls back, she then sees his name tag where it says Mike Nash. And then she runs from him because she's like, oh my goodness, you're my attacker. And why does she think it's her attacker, though? Because she, she had a memory of the name Mike. So she just assumed. So she, and then he, she saw his name tag that said Mike. But it's because they were in love. No. Stop trying to guess. Yeah, let's Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she relates this to Dr. Nash, um, you know, basically gets scared, runs away from him, but he catches her and administers a sedative and like kind of not sedative. Sedative, thank you. And then leaves her at home. He tells her later that she was upset and he's sorry he didn't mean to really like want to do that to her and he can't treat her anymore because he has feelings for her and her memories are causing her to project what happened to her on him. So it's not really him, mm-hmm. but she's like connecting it with him even though it's not. Okay. So he's in love with her. Yeah. So he says, I can't treat you anymore. It'd be unethical. We good love doctor. a good man. Good doctor. So Christine learns later, like several years after the attack, that her husband, Ben, had placed her in an assisted care facility and divorced her. 
but then he changed his mind and brought her back home. She then learns that Claire, the friend, um, had been contacting the care facility, unaware that Ben had taken her out of the care facility. And at some point, Christine obtains the friend's phone number from Dr. Nash, and he she meets up with her friend Claire. Claire basically goes into some conversation, gives Christine a letter that Ben had asked Claire to give her at one time once she felt like she was able to, like, well enough to read this letter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the letter's basically saying, like, I had to divorce you. I hope you understand why I need to leave. It's for our son's safety well and being. sake. Well-being. Yeah. So out of gratitude for this letter, love and care, Christine goes back to Ben at home and shows him the camera and videos that she's been keeping track so she can remember her day-to-day life. Bad idea. Ben angrily accuses Christine of having an affair with Dr. Nash, strikes her, and storms out. On the telephone, Claire... And Christine are talking, and she claims that Ben, like, hit her. And Christine's like, well, I'll call Ben, and, or excuse me, Claire, the friend, is like, well, I'll talk to Ben, I'll call him, and then I'll call you back. And Christine's like, okay. So then Chris, Claire calls back and says, I just talked to Ben, and he says that he has not seen you for several years. He's been living by him. He hasn't seen you for, like, four years. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It's not her husband. No. No. So, Super spoiler alert. Yeah. What the yeah. heck? <laughs> so, so after this, Claire asks Christine to describe Ben that she's living with to <gasps> her. I'm shook. Yeah. And then they realize it's not Ben. So Christine is beginning to have more limited memories of things happening around her. It's she, the guy who attacked her. She attempts to escape, but Ben captures her and she passes out. Okay. Next morning, because she passes out, she wakes up and guess what? She doesn't remember. She doesn't remember anything. But this is an emotional roller coaster. Yes, it is. So basically getting to the end of this summary, um, Ben says, like, hey, I love you. Have a good day. Pack your bags. It's our anniversary. I'm taking you out tonight. So he takes her to a hotel room for their anniversary. And guess what? They've been in that hotel room before. By the airport. By the airport. Where she was attacked. Where she was attacked. And basically fast forward, this Ben, that's not really her husband Ben, is Mike, the one who had attacked her previously. She was having an affair on her husband, Ben, with this guy named Mike. And then he attacked and her. And he wanted her to... Leave Ben. Leave Ben and, mm-hmm. like, be with him. And she didn't. She was like, no, I can't do that to my family, blah, blah, blah. So he beat her, and that's what caused her memory loss. And he was also the therapist. No. No. But Dr. she associated Nash. the name. She thought the Because it was therapist, Mike. The, their names were both Mike. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, they struggle again, kind of like a deja vu moment. When I was watching it, that's what I thought. I'm like, it's deja vu. Oh, yeah. He attacked her once in the same place, and he's attacking her again because now she realizes, oh, my goodness, you're the one who attacked me. You're the one who took me out of this care facility, and you've been lying to me this whole time. I've been thinking you're my husband, but you're just... But you're not. But Does you're she not. start to remember the attack at this point? Like in the movie, it kind of will do like flashes okay. of like mm-hmm. in between the fight that they're having and then flashes back to like... When the first fight, gotcha. so yeah, she is. Anyway, so she ends up waking up in a hospital bed. Um, she's visited by the doctor Nash as a friend, not as the therapist. And he assures her that the man responsible is like locked up, he's going to jail. So Mike, the fake Ben, and he tells Christine that there's some visitors and that he hopes that these visiting people will really provide the breakthrough that they've been hoping for. And then the visitors were her real husband, Ben, and their son, Adam. Aww. I know, is that crazy? And does she remember them? Well, when she sees Adam, then her memories kind of flood back. In mm-hmm. a sense, not all, but like she... She remembers like, her kid. I remember my son. Yeah. yeah. When before, the she, reason they left in the first place was because she couldn't remember him. Mm-hmm. And so the dad was like, we need to leave because it's not, not good for Not good for son. him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I feel like I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> So while we were watching the movie, because Kyle and myself watched it, Mm -hmm. so Kyle watched it with me. I mean, we were definitely confused at some moments. We were like, huh? Like, I'm lost. And then it's kind of one of those moments where I ask a question. He's like, I'm watching the same movie that you're watching. Like, how am I going to know more than you? Yeah. Yeah. And it was very interesting. Honestly, I think it could have been done better. A little like that. The acting was good. But to me, I felt it was a little slow. Mm -hmm. And 
And, and what I've discovered in regards to some research is that's also what it says online with Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Like, it was mediocre is what they say. Like, it could have been done better. And I'm not saying the director was, like, bad, but they say directors Review. and such. Yeah, reviews are like, well, if it might have would have been in a different director's hand, it could have been, like... Much better movie. M- much better movie, yeah. So Kyle made an interesting comment while we were watching. He said... What happens if she wakes up, like, halfway in the middle of the night? Like, does she keep her memories for part of the night? Yeah, and I was like, I don't know. No, That's weird. Good question. Because the concept is when people have that sleep thing that, like, while you sleep, you don't store your memories, right? Yeah, because yeah. isn't it REM sleep that if you learn something, you have to have REM in order to remember, to remember it? it? So yeah. she must never go into REM sleep. Interesting. Yeah. So and she then, just forgets everything. And then kind of we did also kind of mention this in the beginning, but I did write down a fact that in the novel, yes, Christine had a diary or mm-hmm. a journal notebook, whereas in the film it was a camera. But that was for obvious like visual reasons. Mm-hmm. Which so you makes could sense. see it and not just like her write it. So, mm-hmm. And then I did have real quick, um, I did find some interviews. Awesome. So Nicole Kinman did do an interview and these were um, – just short clips that I found on YouTube. And by the way, most of this was like from what Wikipedia and then just from, from, watching, from watching it. Yeah. You actually wrote it. Good well, job. Most of it. Anyway, so Nicole Kidman said that she really liked the role of Christine. It was like a main female role and she liked that it was like strong. Like she liked that it was a chance to give a female a main portion of a role, not the men. Mm-hmm. She also said that it was an exciting stunt. St- storyline and with a mystery and Nicole Kidman said that she loves thrillers and horror movies and so she was excited to play in a movie where it was kind of like ooh yeah yeah she plays really good in the others too I don't know if I've seen that mom it's not that scary mom thought it was terrifying (laughs) it scared me but after the end it didn't scare me anymore and then Colin Firth Firth he said it, he enjoyed filming with Nicole Kidman. He felt like, kind of like with Jim Carrey, like he couldn't mess up. Like he had to like be at his best. Yeah, top of his game. Like top of his game. Was. Like he was really, she was really good. Um, but like that they really had a fun personality together. Like they laughed a lot together. But then Nicole Kidman also mentioned that like she had to be like, no, Colin, like you can't make me laugh. Like this is a serious movie. You know, they get on like yeah. a laughing spree and then have to be like, no. Like, this is a serious movie. Mm-hmm. So she said it was, like, really fun working with him, and he had a good time working with her. And so. That's cool. I definitely recommend reading the book. It sounds like the book really did have a, a different way of finding out the information. Than and in the movie? Yeah. I mean, the movie was good. I would definitely say, like, if you want to watch it once, I think it's good to watch once. I don't know if I'd watch it, like over and over like oh my goodness this is so great like mm-hmm. i want to watch it again mm-hmm. but it was good to watch once but yes it is rated r there's like one shot of her bum booty in the I beginning think there's one of his oh never mm-hmm. mind i keep i'm i'm whoa i'm thinking so you're just, of the picture in my head from the book i'm sorry what were you picturing yeah in, your head from in, the book. in the book it shows his, like she admires his body like when he gets out of bed because oh. she's like oh like my husband's pretty good looking oh at one point. Oh. Well, anyways, it just shows her booty one time and then, yeah, the F word a few times. But other than that, there's no, oh, there's like one tiny short bed scene, like when she's flashing back to the mm. original fight. Yeah. When they start off like in the bedroom when mm-hmm. then he's like, well, you need to like tell Ben that we're having an affair. And she's like, no, I can't. You know, just kind of that. She's in like a like yeah. lingerie-ish. In the, in the movie, does it? talk about the fact that he was kind of stalking her before they got the started a relationship no so like in in the book it gives a little bit more information about how he like approaches her to have this relationship in the first way first place which you understand his character was just he's not a good guy he's creepy how did he approach her uh he just watched her a lot in a coffee shop and he kept coming in and like slowly like sitting next to her and just slowly like making himself available so she would finally start talking to him it's scary that stuff like that actually happens yeah so when you start talking to him you just think that oh it was just some guy that you happened to talk to that day but really had been there like for like weeks and weeks and weeks or it's like even if you see them you're like oh how funny that our schedules align Mm -hmm. and we're always here at the same time yeah it might have been something like that it's been at least a year since i read the book but but it's a good book that's very interesting yeah i'll have to watch both those movies at some point Yeah. yeah But anyways, so, so yeah. So that was fun. I liked this today. That was 
it's kind of way different from different. our normal episodes. Yeah, we don't want to bore you guys every single time with a different parasomnia. <laughs> but we're still going to talk about parasomnias. Yeah. But yeah, so those are our movies about dream and sleep and astral projection. And if you guys want to watch them, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> we already told you what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, just once again, will you please send us your sleep and dream-related stories and especially anything spooky for a Halloween episode that's going to be coming up and email those to deadtotheworldpodcast at gmail.com. Please follow us on our social media accounts, which is pretty much any social media account. And the username is Dead to the World Podcast. And please like us. Please like us. <laughs> please. Well, I mean, you already like us if, if you're listening to this. I would or hope. They're just listening so that they can think about how much they loathe us. <laughs> I was going to say, please do a review with for us. Please, 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 please on Podchaser. And don't tell me. I Apple, Apple podcast? podcast. I almost said iTunes. What well, it's all, you can also do it on iTunes. They're like the same thing. Mm-hmm. It takes you to the same place, but you can get there either on the Apple Podcast app or on the iTunes app. Okay. I don't know why I say that one every time. I, don't I get know. it wrong every you time. I get confused. But so. reviews are great. We had a really, really nice review. Should oh, I did. read it? You should read it. It was really it nice. It was like I literally saw that review and I was like, <gasps> my heart. <gasps> my heart. I did. Okay, this review is from Gary, and it says, This is the best podcast I have ever listened to in my entire life. Listening to it is the highest point of my week, and I always look forward to the next episode. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Gary. so nice. That's so nice. You know, it is fun doing a podcast, and it is hard work, so it is nice to hear that at least, you know, people are enjoying the content. It's kind of wild, though, that, like, I don't know, like, someone tagged us in a Twitter post, which I'm an amateur at Twitter. I do, this is Lexi, I do our social media and like trying to figure out Twitter because everyone's like, oh, that's the best platform to like promote your podcast and blah, 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 blah. But I don't really know how to use it that well. So I'm just confused on there most of the time. (laughs) But someone like posted us in a tweet that they did about like podcast recommendations. Yeah. And they were like, hey, Dream Team. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so nice. But then also it kind of freaks me out to think about the like people that we have no idea who they are. Like listening, listening to, to us. us. I know I'm like, oh, that's creepy. Because in my mind, it's just our own little bubble of friends. <laughs> right. Sure. Oh, our nice, supportive friends well, listening. It's, but it's way more people than that. It is funny, too. Sometimes when I've gone to people that I know, we're just talking. And I'm like, oh, hey, you know, check out our podcast. It's Dead to the World. Oh, well, where, where, you, you know, where are you posted? Or where can I listen to you at? I'm like, anywhere you want to. Spotify, you know, Apple. And they're like, really? Like, they're all of a sudden oh, super impressed. Oh, legit. <laughs> So, you know, it's it's awesome. Every time I open up, I listen to Spotify, on Spotify most of the time because I'm an Android user. But Lexi Roasted. just gave me like <laughs> big eyes because she's, she's embarrassed by my lack of Apple usage. <laughs> but um, just when I see our, you know, logo, I'm like, oh, oh, that's us. That's, that's us. real. It's kind of cool. Oh, One of my coworkers is like, I find it really cool that I know a content creator. So, so thank fun. you for listening you. so that we can keep doing it. Yes, we appreciate it. Thanks for being part of the dream team and the possessed, dumb, and crazy dream team. Dream team. team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think our listeners want to be called possessed, dumb, and crazy. No, we, we just are. are. Okay. The, the team's not just us. Just yeah. us. Just your leaders. Just your leaders. <laughs> what are we? What do they call it when you're the team, team captain? captain? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, join us next week to find out what happens when we are dead, dead to the world. world.